Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, It's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest, I've been really excited about uh, having a chat with him, actually, and I've been looking forward to this. Matt Abrahams. Matt is a lecturer, author, coach, uh, and podcast host at Stanford University's Graduate School of Business. 
Um, and, and I just wanted to mention an amazing podcast that he runs, Think Fast, Talk Smart. So definitely check out his podcast. And also we're going to talk a little bit today, I hope, about his book, Speaking Up Without Freaking Out, uh, a book written to help millions of people who wish to present in a more confident and compelling way. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. So glad to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. So first off the bat, I gave everyone a bit of an intro to what you do, but in your own words, can you tell everyone a little bit about your various hats you wear and what you do, Matt? It does seem that there's quite, quite a few hats, actually. Thank you for the <laughs> opportunity. So uh, first and foremost, I am somebody who's just passionate about communication and helping people communicate. I truly believe that everybody has stories to tell, and we need to help everybody be confident uh, in sharing those stories. So to, to serve that end, I am a lecturer at Stanford's Graduate School of Business. I've done that for about 11 years, where I teach strategic communication. I run a consulting practice, as well as I, I am an author and a podcast host, all of which are designed to, to give people some exposure to best practices and ways of thinking about their communication. Fantastic. I, I love um, what you do because, I mean, this is obvious for you spending all your time in it, but I can't tell you anecdotally, you must hear this all the time, but just how many issues and challenges, are, you know, I work coaching leaders, facilitating teams, and how much it comes down to um, a, uh, a lack of communication, miscommunication, or, or things get better once people improve communication. Absolutely. Communication is at the core of much of what we do, not just in business, but in our personal lives. So taking yeah. the time to reflect on it and work on it is really helpful. I like to say that I'm in the business of helping turn habits into choices. We have all communicated the way we do for a long time. It's, it's mm. a bit habitual. And the idea is, is to find other tools and ways and approaches of communicating so we can make perhaps different choices to better achieve our communication goals. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and uh, yeah, I, I love it. Uh, speaking of stories, you're a man who, who enjoys um, stories, but I'd love to hear some of your story, even back as far as childhood. I, I love hearing um, leaders and, and thought leaders and entrepreneurs share some of those moments, particularly when they're growing up, that they look back at and, and go, you know what, I think that was really pivotal. I didn't know it at the time, but that, that really shaped me into the person and the leader I am today. So yeah, we'd love to hear some of your story, Matt. What comes to oh, mind? Oh, man, you, you are certainly, yeah, I think you know the story you want me to tell. You're fishing for it. So uh, I, I don't <laughs> know many people who, 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 at least in my circles, who have one moment that really defined their careers, but I, I certainly did. So as a 14-year-old freshman in high school, uh, I was told by my English teacher at the time to go to a speech competition uh, in our English class, we all, it was the very first week of class, our English teacher asked all of us, as is very common, to uh, start by introducing ourselves and telling what we did for the summer. I did that, and my teacher came up afterwards and said, you're really good at this talking thing. Those were his words exactly. You need to go to this speech competition uh, on Saturday. Wow. Being a freshman, you know, just followed what the teacher said. I show up, I wrote a speech over the course of that week. He said, do write, write a speech on something you're passionate about. At that time, as I am still today, I was very passionate about the martial arts. So I wrote a 10 minute speech on karate. And it was an early Saturday morning, foggy, cold. I show up into this large auditorium. My friends are there. The girl I like is there. Uh, parents are in front. They're judging <laughs> this competition. Wow. It's my turn to go. I am so nervous that I forget to put on my special karate pants. Those are the ones that have a little extra room. Uh, you, you can already see where this is going. So the first 10 seconds of my 10 minute speech, I rip my pants from belt loop to zipper doing a karate kick to start. I was told to start in a way that would draw attention. Uh, I drew a little too much attention. And it is from that moment on that I have been fascinated by how anxiety can impact communication. I went to graduate school and studied this. I've written a wow. book on it. I talk a lot about it. But fundamentally, I am somebody who is all about helping people be more confident and compelling in their communication. And it all traces back to a very sad and scared 14-year-old boy who was standing with his trousers ripped uh, in front of a large audience. So uh, wow. that, that is a story that was very defining for me, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. And it's, um, you know what, it, it brought to mind for me something I haven't thought of in a long time. It's yes. not as it, it's not the same level. But I do remember um, uh, my my journey of public speaking when I was in primary school, I wasn't very good at it 
in years one and two. I, well, I, anything we did, it wasn't special. But I vividly remember uh, maybe year three, I did okay. But I remember going in year four and I gave a speech on ants as you do in grade four or grade three. Right, of course. And of I, course. <laughs> that's right. It's it ants been... or bees and you put the ants. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's, that's right. all right. Yeah, and I think it was three minutes, you know, it's short. Yeah. And I remember feeling so nervous and I decided, I can't remember how, I, I can't even remember why and what prompted me, but I just remember going, you know what? I'm just going to get up there and just uh, put on a, a a facade of confidence as a grade four. Like that says something ah, about how I was yeah. thinking because I don't yeah. remember what prompted that. And I remember putting on this facade of confidence, even though I felt so anxious. And I remember vividly feeling like I was shaking and looking at my legs and then as I was older and, and I did really well and I won this, you know, class and, and year level competition and people, and I said to people, can you see my legs shake? And they said, no, we can't see anything. You look so confident, but it was uh -huh. really a decision. And my, and so the, the moment you reminded me of is every year I would do really well until year seven. Uh, I was in the, I, I won my sort of um, my class and I ended up competing across the whole primary school. Wow. And I did this. So I'm in front, I'm in the big auditorium, same sort of thing. And I remember I had memorized my speech, my uh -oh. speech. <laughs> yeah, you can see where this is going. And I was doing yes. a speech about these twin cricketers. Cause I love cricket, very Australian uh -huh. sport, uh, yep. Mark war and Steve war. And I will never forget halfway through my memorized speech. Once again, with the same over like really i was i was trying to be sort of three times more confident and i found out that actually came across really well even though i felt ridiculous and so i'd learned this and i just completely blanked about yes. halfway through and yes. those i'd say i probably stood there paused for 10 seconds that felt like a year I, that is oh, one sure. of the most vivid uh just anxiety riddling sort of memories i have and then it came back to me because I'd memorized it sort of line by line and I'd lost the next line. I got it and I ended up, I, I kept going and it actually went really well. But I remember those 10 seconds like nothing else as just a uniquely terrifying experience where I thought if I can't remember what's next, I don't know what I'm going to do because I had memorized it line by line. So I, I find the irony that, that you, you, can, you can't forget the fact that you forgot. That's, that's fascinating <laughs> to me. But uh, the biggest fear people report to me is their fear of forgetting and blanking out. And there's some things you can do to help reduce the likelihood of that. Uh, the, the first and foremost being don't memorize. Memorizing actually invites that type of forgetting. Mm, so, yes. Um, so I'm sorry that happened, but it sounds like you did quite well uh, despite that. And in fact, uh, you learned a lesson. So that's yeah, it's, in, it's interesting you say that. And I want to get back to your story in a second, but you just brought this, all these memories uh, flying back into my brain, sharing that story, Matt. But for me, it was always that facade of confidence. It was always something I felt incredibly anxious and I would put on. And I think the biggest thing that's helped me in years and years since is actually a couple of things and you just mentioned it then i no longer memorize anything that i that right. i'm doing i much prefer having signposts sort of of where mm -hmm. i'm going to go and i tend right. to have one big story that i'm going to sort of tell and that if i'm if i'm giving a presentation but also i've learned and i've had to unlearn some of that facade because it's great when you're a kid and you're feeling very anxious and, and it probably gets you and you know gets you good marks but i've found in life i've actually had to unlearn that and and now i've become much more comfortable just being myself probably from sheer trial and error because i've just gotten out there and done it again and again and again and now i'm, I'm much more comfortable just being jono but i had to unlearn that um to actually feel like i've gotten better in that space i don't know if you hear that often well so i hear several things uh, along the lines of what you said is one stopping memorizing and i in fact encourage and coach people to do what you do to create particular bullet points or an outline that key, gives you key points. I actually prefer, rather than using declarative points, I prefer to use questions. So if you were to look at Ooh. one of my preparation documents, it would say just a series of questions. I know the answers to those questions, so all I need is the prompt. And it also mm. makes me more conversational, takes <laughs> me out of that performative mindset, which is part of what you're talking about. Communication right. at its best is a conversation. It's not a performance. Mm. And so anything you can do to take you out of that mindset should make you more comfortable. 
and make it easier for the audience to digest. So I'm a big fan of, of what you describe, but uh, <laughs> it, 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 you know, everybody has to find their way differently as I have discovered, but ultimately yeah. people can get to a part, point where they can feel confident and comfortable having a conversation with one person or hundreds of people. It's so funny you say that. One of my favorite um, speakers, probably one of the best speakers I've ever experienced live is John Maxwell when I saw mm -hmm. him in Australia one time. And that was something that struck me about him more than anyone else. He literally sat down, which mm -hmm. I thought was interesting too. And I think, and, and it was obviously intentional, but I, I felt in the crowd like he was having a conversation with me mm -hmm. and it was so bizarre. Um, and I feel like you've given away my secret for this podcast as well, because I've tried lots of things. And I think the reason I love this podcast so much, like you said, you've got to find what works for you. Mm -hmm. And I've found that my, like, I also have another podcast where I give straight content about leadership and that's mm -hmm. great. And that's something I, I, I just know that I need to keep working on and getting better at, but I find this is my zone. Like this podcast, Jono and friends talk about leadership, the conversation, because it's an actual conversation. Yeah. It takes all the pressure off. And I, I always finish conversations like today going, that content is so good. Uh, and, you know, and then I have the other stuff as well, which I hope is good. And I really believe is helping people, but this has a real ease to it because it's an actual conversation. Right now, you've put a lot of pressure on me saying that this has to be good, but I, I'm going to go with it. I'm going <laughs> to roll with it. That's all right. But no, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, there, there is, you know, we as a species, I believe, have evolved to respond to stories and conversation. That's how... Mm information for millennia were passed down from one person to another. We didn't have PowerPoint. We certainly didn't have bullet points. Yeah. And the way we learned from each other was through listening to story, through having conversation. And, and so our brains are wired for that on, on my podcast, where I get to interview uh, experts and professors and, and others you mm. know, from, from around the Stanford campus. I, I, I interviewed a neuroscientist who studies story and, and he, he maintains our brains are wired for story. So when you wow. tell story, when you have a conversation, you're resonating in a way that you can't when you're just giving a list of best practices or, or showing charts and graphs. That's incredible. I didn't know that. I mean, I mean, it makes sense, but I'd never heard that before. The mm -hmm. idea that the neuroscience supports that a story, your brain's actually wired for stories. Absolutely. That's incredible. Uh, back to your story, because <laughs> I uh, digressed to Jono and Ants and the war twin, <laughs> the twin uh, cricketers. Um, so after that moment, if you fast forward a bit, you know, through your sort of uh, teenage years and, and, you know, 20s, 30s, sort of earlier part of your career, Matt, what, what do you see when you look back? Are there any moments for you again that were that sort of pivotal uh, moment for you as a leader, for you in your thought leadership around communication, uh, as for you as a person, any moments that really stand out that you, that you want to share a story about? So rather than, than focusing in on any one instance, I would say the biggest theme that I took away, uh, so I, I went immediately from my undergraduate career into my graduate career, and then I, I stepped away from academia to, to get some corporate experience. Didn't, it didn't hurt that I had some loans to pay and needed to make some money. But in that, in that experience, I worked in high tech for about a decade. And across that time, it really became apparent to me that communication is critical in business success. I, I saw people who were incredibly competent, knew their stuff really well. And because of their inability to effectively communicate, their careers were limited, in some cases ended at certain companies. And yet others who perhaps weren't as proficient or competent were able to communicate better and were able to see their careers advance. So wow. uh, when, when I chose to step back into academe, I, I brought that with me and really remembered that it's really about helping people to identify their strengths and, and continue to hone and develop, but also to help people around their anxieties and approaches to communication so that they can actually live up to their true potential. And, and to this day in my coaching and in my teaching, I really remember those days when I was working in high tech and seeing what I was seeing around communication. And, and so no one instance stands out. There are many, many of them, but that's really the take home message from that part of my life is that communication is critical to success in, in business mm. for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's incredible. I can see how that would form, uh, I guess, the, the focus and the investment mm -hmm. of so much of your time since then around communication. Um, so for those listening who might be, uh, they might've known at some level communication is, impo is important, but it's never something they've necessarily uh, focused on or invested mm -hmm. in. 
in terms right. of a beginner's guide for an entrepreneur or even a leader, like, you know, mm-hmm. like you just said, there, there'd be leaders who are exceptionally skilled in one part of what they do, but maybe communication is never something they've really focused on. What, what would be your sort of beginner's advice as an introduction to communication in terms of um, some of the most important things that you talk about and, and where mm-hmm. someone could start if they've never really invested too much in this space before? Well, thank you for the opportunity. I could go on for a long time, but I'm going to limit it to three things. So first and foremost, and I have done 50 episodes of my podcast. I've interviewed many, many folks. The number one consistent bit of advice across people who work on communication from lots of different perspectives, persuasion, negotiation, reputation, all boils down to what I think is most important, which is Communication is not about you, it's about your audience. You must understand your audience and your needs. Communication is an act of empathy and you really have to take the time to reflect. It's not about what you need to say or want to say, it's about Mm. what your audience needs to hear. So that's first and foremost. A lot of people don't get that. And a lot of people are so busy and rushed, they don't take time to actually digest what that means and do the initial work that's needed. Yeah. Once you take that audience centric approach, and I don't care if it's a one to one communication, you're leading a meeting, you're talking to hundreds of people. That's the first place. Second, you must focus on being structured. Structure is critical. We have all listened to people who just ramble on and on, and that's very disruptive. It's annoying and it requires a lot of effort and energy to figure out what the heck the person is saying. So we have to have structure and there are lots of structures to communication. And I, and I certainly don't mean like when you were in your primary grades and I was in high school, you know, today I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you, and now I'm telling you, and now I'm telling you. No, I'm talking about more subtle structures and we can get more into that if you're interested, but having some beginning, middle and end that makes sense, that's relevant to your audience. So once you understand their needs, you have to create a structure that brings forth the relevance for them. Attention is the most precious commodity we have in the world today. Mm. And if you don't make something relevant, you're going to lose your audience's attention. And then finally, especially in this world of virtual and hybrid communication, you must make your communication engaging. To me, engagement simply means sustained attention. It's Mm. one thing to get people's attention. It's another thing to sustain it. So you have to do things in your communication to sustain attention. Let me give you two examples. Yeah. One, use words that really draw your audience in. Things like imagine or what if or picture this. That draws your audience in. Use analogies, connect what you're saying to something that people already know. Very powerful. You know, if you were to, I, my, I make this claim all the time to my American student, well, actually students studying in America, they're not all American, that mm. we here in America use a tremendous number of sports analogies. And we'll talk about a slam dunk, hitting it out of the park, pushing it across the goal line. And I, I'm telling this story because I know you love cricket now. Uh, I had a student (laughs) once in the middle of a speech used an analogy to the game of cricket. There were literally crickets in the classroom because nobody knew what the hell he was talking about. And he stopped midway through and said, that's how I feel every time you talk about American football. And he made that point that that if you you do use analogies, which are a great way to engage your audience, you must, must, must make sure that they're relevant. So it's all about audience centric, being centric, centric, and focused on your audience. Second, it's about being structured and relevant. And third, it's about being engaging. If you do those three things in your communication, you will be a much more effective communicator. That's fantastic. Uh, what about, uh, you've really drawn me in to ask about the structure because you mentioned there, <laughs> we could go into that and, and you've really got my interest because I'm trying to think of, of how to what subtle structure might look like. So yeah, uh-huh. I'd love to find out more about that. Can you tell uh, us about my hook work, structure? my hook work. Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. You've engaged gotcha, me. Yeah. Sustained. Yeah. You've got my sustained attention. Well, I just didn't want to talk too much. So I threw that out there hoping you would take the bait. So thank you. <laughs> um, so, right. so there are lots of structures that exist, but you give, you've now given me an opportunity and permission to talk about my favorite structure. So mm. uh, my favorite structure in the whole world is three questions. And as I shared earlier, I'm a big fan of questions. Questions help with conversation. They make it uh, much more interesting and engaging. So my favorite structure is the what, so what, now what structure. And here's how it works. Whatever you're Mm. talking about, it could be your idea, your product, your service, your, your value, your leadership principle. You define what it is. That's the what. The so what is why is it important and relevant to your audience? This is where really understanding your audience is critical because you have to connect your what 
to your audience through what you say as an answer to the so what. And then finally, there's the now what, what's the next step? So great that I've shared this important thing with you. Great that I've explained why it's relevant. What happens next? And that's the now what. So what, so what, now what is a fantastic structure for explaining things. And I encourage mm. everybody to use it. Now, it, will you allow me, Jono? I want to have what I do when I teach. I call this a meta moment. Yeah, yeah I please. Just, I just used what, so what, now what to explain what, so what, now what was. I told you what it was, <laughs> why it was important, and how you can use it. I didn't that's, even realize. That, that's right. That's the power of it. You don't notice it, yet it packages things up so they are easily digestible. So if you're writing an email, if you're mm. introducing yourself, if you're giving feedback or answering a question, this structure can help. It gives you a place to start and a place to end. It makes you more concise. It builds in transitions. So that's the value of structure. This is but one of many. There are several others. Problem, solution, benefit, mm -hmm. comparison, contrast, conclusion, past, present, future. These are all structures that you can leverage. I happen to just like what, so what, now what? Yeah, that's, can, can you give, I know you just gave an example by using it, but can you give us another example since that's, I think a lot of people are going to be scribbling that down as a, <laughs> as a good structure, as sort of a something to try. Can you give us an example of how you would use that? Certainly. So, so let's say you were asking me about my book that I wrote. So you say, hey, you're an author. Tell me what your book is about. So I would mm -hmm. say, Speaking Up Without Freaking Out is a book that was written to help anybody who wants to build confidence in their communication and to be more compelling. By taking the time to read this book and to work on your communication with or without the book, you can be more comfortable in your communication. So I challenge everybody, regardless of if you buy the book or not, to take the time to develop your communication skills. So let's break that down. The mm. what was my describing what the book was about. The so what was, why is this important? What's the value that this brings to you? And then the now what was my encouragement for you to, regardless of if you buy the book or not, to actually work on communication. That's the next step. So mm. it's simply a way of packaging information up. I didn't know you were going to ask me that question, yet I hope for you and your listeners, that answer sounded like it hit the mark. I answered yeah. the question. I did it hopefully in a concise way and it flowed. And that's the value of structure. When you have to communicate, you have two fundamental things you must do. You have to focus on what you say and how you say it. The structure tells mm. you how you're going to say it. So half the battle is done. Now I just have to think about what goes into that structure. So it actually makes it easy for you. I can answer any question, well, not any, most questions <laughs> in that structure, which has the burden for me. I, I know how I'm going to answer the question. I just need to think about what I'm going to insert into it. So that's the value of structure and this particular structure. That's fantastic. I'm going to be using that. I love it. Um, what, so what, now what? Uh, yep. It actually reminds me a lot, uh, a lot of a, uh, a structure that I've come across before around casting vision. Um, and it's, it's from a, an American uh, pastor named Andy Stanley. I can't remember where, uh -huh where Andy's based, but uh, that's why I've read it. It's in a book called, I think, Visioneering. Anyway, he right. talks about, you, you just reminded me of it, which is, which is so interesting. He talks about casting vision is about the problem, like where we are now, the solution uh, right. of, of how we're going to solve it, where we're going, and then why, and then why now, which is really, uh -huh. uh, so what now? So it's interesting that he, and, and I guess I'm just realizing as I say it out loud, he's combining problem solution, um, uh -huh. Benefit, benefit what, so what, with what, so what, now what in one context. And I found that really helpful because otherwise I'm trying to say what we're about is this. But then when I use that, I'd say, well, the, you know, the problem, uh, well, the problem might be, I see a lot of leaders who aren't fulfilling their potential and we want to see every leader build their capacity. And uh, because when leaders are great, you know, that they can actually invest in people and make people's lives better and impact thousands and millions of people. And so, but I ha I've never been good at the now. What I think you've helped me with that. The why now always got me a bit stuck, but I feel uh -huh. like the way you unpacked that um, helped me. But I, I want to ask about that because that was just, I'm sort of uh, talking out loud to find my next question here. But when you, yeah. for me, that now what, what, that has been a struggle. The other bits I, I picked uh -huh. up pretty easily. So can you just zoom in on that and, and just explain how you take an idea that you're talking about? I, when you say now, what are you saying specifically to give them, so, give people something to do now? Is that what you're saying in the, in the what, so what, now what structure? Yeah. So, so you want, I believe and research su suggests that momentum is important. 
So mm. if I just inform you of something and get you to feel it's important, okay, then what becomes the next step? You want this feeling of momentum. Sometimes that momentum is urgency. Sometimes that momentum is confidence. Other times it's just being valued like, oh, the person really gets me, but you need to think about what comes next. So it could be, let's sign up for the next meeting. It could be, uh, let's watch a demo, or it could be, let me take your questions. But there is some subsequent step to what you've said that the other person needs to do. So they're not passive any longer. You've told them something that's a little passive. You've given them relevance that awakens them and connects them to the topic. And then the now what actually gets them moving. It's that momentum. So, you know, whenever you communicate, there should be some kind of action you're thinking about. Even if action is simply being aware and, and mm. being prepared to act in the future if need be. So that's what that now what is referring to. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for explaining that. No can I ask you about your first point, which is around understanding and that communication is a form of empathy? Yeah. What advice, because it is, let me just give a bit of context in terms of a leadership podcast. This has to be one of the biggest challenges that I think I see organizations uh, having, it, even around, say, marketing. If we talk about marketing, it's because we market ourselves based on what we see. And, and I'm constantly having to tell leaders when I'm working with them around, say, their marketing uh, for their, for their, as an entrepreneur, or even a larger company, is that you need to realize people from their perspective, they don't know what you know. And, and, and people get sick of hearing themselves say something once when people have never even, you know, they didn't even realize that they did that as a company. Um, so how, how do you, I guess, starting with a one-on-one -on -one or a one to a hundred audience are there any tips you'd give to step into the shoes and take ourselves out of our limited and biased perspective and to understand what our audience might be seeing and feeling uh, sure sure so uh, i define what you've just described and it's not just me who defines it it, it is the curse of knowledge we all know too much about mm. what it is we're, we're talking about or advocating for and so you really need to to step out of yourself and understand from the other person's perspective. Yeah, uh, there, there's a and I assume you have heard of this and many of your listeners have, but there's a way of designing product and services called minimally viable product design. It's all about rapid prototyping and understanding user requirements and you build yes. a, a model and you test it. The same is true for communication. You can do the same thing. You can mm. test your messages understand what the audience needs and rapidly prototype. So one answer to your question is to always be inventing and iterating. That's one way to, to target. The hmm. other way is to really ask questions, ask questions instead of assuming that this product or service will serve this need, ask what's your need, what's the problem. And if people can't define that, and that's possible, you can ask more questions to help them self-discover what the challenge is, but you have to take the time to understand. I, I, I like to say you have to do reconnaissance, reflection and research to mm. really understand an audience. And sometimes that's as simple as checking out LinkedIn profiles or bios on web pages. Other times it's observing people. Other times it's putting yourself in that perspective. You know, I've been a customer or a client of this company or a company like this. Here's where my concerns are. But it is taking the time to do that. Now, people often say, well, that takes so much time. I believe that time is well spent because if you don't hit the target with your audience, you are spending a tremendous amount of time on the other end of your communication, cleaning up the mess you've made, reiterating, <laughs> revisiting, correcting, you know, and, and that takes longer and has ill will and effects on your credibility than if you spent that time up front. So that to me is the way that you address some of these challenges around the curse of knowledge. Yeah, that's, uh, that's brilliant. Uh, I, I have to ask, you love questions. Do you have any favorite questions that are Matt's go-to questions when in doubt? So uh, I have a couple. One I really like is tell me more. Uh, so to really, uh, to, to help to say, I wanna learn more about this. Um, what makes you feel that way? I like to get feelings, not just thoughts from people. Yeah. So I, I like to ask about feelings. So that's, a, that's another one. And uh, I'm a big fan of asking a question like, what am I not asking that you think is really important to know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> those are, those are three questions I like to ask. I actually, when I teach workshops and classes, 
I actually have everybody share their most favorite open question to get other people talking in the same vein, like what you just did. And so I'll get, you know, depending on how many people are there, 20, 30, 50 questions. And I actually have people take a moment to capture their favorite because I think everybody should have a stockpile of these questions oh, yeah. at the ready. And it helps to hear, you know, crowdsource it. <laughs> Don't just use yours, <laughs> get it from other people. You might find one that really works for you. I might, I might need to uh, bring that into my Leadership Express questions at the end because yeah. the it's such a superpower when you come across a great question. They're so nuanced. Yeah. I, I uh, Actually, I can't remember where I came across this question. I'm trying to think because I really want to honor the source, um, but I can't, I just can't remember. Uh, but I didn't come up with it. But this, this question, I, as I mentioned earlier about me public speaking, mm -hmm. I have, um, you know, and, and have been through my, you know, once I, once I was older and in my twenties, uh, being diagnosed with anxiety, which I think some mm -hmm. of the signs were sort of there in, in grade three or four with some of the ways I handled that. I can even see some of that pattern now, sure. but I've had to battle, um, anxiety and uh and for me medication has been incredible just to, because i know this is such a worldwide thing i like to ever talk about it just encourage people to not be afraid of that um and it's it's so incredibly helpful but one thing that stuck with me once again i can't remember where i heard it but i do get some social anxiety which people wouldn't know like uh because yeah people with I, social anxiety don't usually host podcasts so this is interesting to me <laughs> Well, I, um, I, and it's probably not extreme. I, I think it's potentially an awareness. I'm very, I tend to be quite hyper aware. My, my wife, Liz will always laugh when I like, I cannot handle watching really awkward social situations on TV as an example, like in shows, like I yes. will, I, I it, it, so it's very, like, I feel it very strongly. And so this question, when I came across it blew my mind because I care so much about this and it's always, I'm always wanting to ask someone new the right question who I've never met before and, and minimize the awkwardness and not, you know, stumble into asking someone who might've just gone through something really difficult being laid off. What do you do? And that always sat wrong with me and I hadn't come up with an alternative. And uh, like I said, I can't remember where, but the question is how, how do you spend most of your time? Mm -hmm. And I found that such a, uh, like it's such a tiny thing, but that's become my go-to question when I'm in any social setting, meeting anyone new. I love to ask that because it, it opens up for the person. If someone spends most of their time doing something, and even if they don't, even if they just don't want to talk about work, because maybe that's a painful topic for them at the moment, they'll talk about something else, their kids, or they'll talk about their family, or, the, or they don't want to talk about that, and they'll talk all about their work. And so that's just one example for me of of how I've stumbled, I stumbled across that and went, that's, and I've found it so helpful in social settings just for myself with, um, uh, you know, with some social anxiety. So I love that question. And I think it really shows respect to the person you're talking to because it gives them control in the, in the situation. A lot of our communication is about power and status and, and mm. in asking a question that way, you're, you're, give, you're raising up the other person in terms of their power and status by giving them a choice of what they decide to speak. So I love that. But I also want to comment and just to thank you for, for being courageous enough to share your social anxiety issues and the fact that medication has helped. I'm sure some therapy has been involved. And yeah. we need people to understand that this type of anxiety is incredibly prevalent. When it comes to speaking, research suggests that 85% of people report anxiety around speaking in high stakes situations. I think the other 15% are lying. I think we could create <laughs> something that would make them nervous too. But the point is that this is very prevalent, yet we don't talk about it. One of the mm. very first activities I do with my Stanford MBA students, some of the best and brightest business minds, uh, young minds in the world, mm. uh, we do an activity that forces them to, to, to acknowledge their anxiety and we mm. give them an opportunity to share if they're comfortable with others. And the biggest epiphany that they have is realizing that they're not alone, that others <laughs> who are sitting around who are brilliant and bright and, and that they also have this. And, and there's something powerful in understanding that you're not alone and yes. seeing that others have begun or, or have, have found ways to manage it. So be, I love the fact that you're willing to share that. That's how people get better. So thank you. Yeah, no, but thank you for your kind words. Um, and uh, yeah, it's definitely, actually we've had, um, I've had incredible help. I've quoted him before because I found him so helpful, but there's a counselor here in Brisbane where I'm based who's been a real uh, amazing help to me named Peter Janetsky. 
And one of the biggest things for me on, on my journey, just as you mentioned that, which, which I've found so interesting. So I've been in, I've been in a position before where I had to really give up a job because I was, un, I didn't have the diagnosis yet, but I was experiencing wow. so much overwhelm um, and uh, you know, sort of to panic attacks and he was instrumental in helping me through that and then with medication. But one thing I love, which is what I, what I just love about this spectrum and, and how um, this is why we need to talk about it is I remember another time I was sitting with him and I was saying, oh, I've got this thing that I could do, but you know what? I'm anxious about it, so I'm not going to do it. And I remember he just sort of looked at me and I could see he was weighing up, you know, but he knew me well enough. And, and he's just such a gifted sort of counselor and, um, and, and just very wise. And he said, you know, Jono, sometimes you need to, sometimes just because you're, you're, you're really anxious about something doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And for me, that's been the great equilibrium because I've, I've been to the point where I needed to get help and needed to stop doing things. And that was a big aha for me because it's like I went to the other side going, okay, that was necessary. But now I'm at the point where I feel like something can make me very anxious. And depending on the circumstance and the context, Sometimes that's actually okay. And you still do something because it's really important, which this was, which, which I was talking about. And, uh, and that for me is the sort of the, uh, I guess the overall sphere around where it sits in, it's not really black and white, you know, and, and that's why, um, like you said, sometimes I'm sure the most important moments in history and speeches in history and most important moments in our lives there's always some element of anxiety and it doesn't always, sometimes it means you need to stop what you're doing and go and get help. Other times it means you need to push through. And that's actually part of what makes it so memorable is because uh, you were able to persevere through that. It depends. Absolutely. Anxiety is, is a very useful tool. It helps you focus. It gives you energy. It tells you what you're doing is important to you and perhaps to others. So the goal is not to get rid of anxiety. The goal is to actually learn to manage anxiety. Yes. Yeah, and there are lots of ways to do that. Uh, I was very fortunate to interview the psychologist Aaliyah Crum, who studies mindset relative to anxiety. And, and it, mm. uh, I encourage people to, to find Aaliyah online or to listen to the, to the episode of my podcast I did with her. But yeah. she really talks about how we frame anxiety to be negative and we, we have a, an approach and a mindset about it being negative, but if we actually reframe it, it can be very empowering. <laughs> and so, so there's lots to be said for the, the potential detriment of anxiety, but, but there's a lot to be said for, for the benefits. So again, I appreciate you just teeing up the conversation and, and that's helpful for people. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm definitely going to check out that episode myself uh, and listen to that because I, I think that's a, I think that's a really interesting area, and I'm definitely passionate about it from from experience, as I've mentioned. Um, I want to ask you about engaging, and I loved your definition, sustained attention. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Good student, A plus. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So sustained attention, engagement. Once again, I know people are doing courses on this with you, so I'm asking you to sort of allow our listeners to dip their toes in the water uh, with Matt. <laughs> uh -huh. But um, when it comes to gaining sustained attention, and you mentioned a couple of things already, but what would be your advice? There might be an entrepreneur listening who, who is trying to work on content and, and, and needs to build sustained attention around a webinar, or it could be a company leader who's trying to address culture in their organization and so wants to have sustained attention in terms of who reads their emails or, or you know, doing some key sort of presentations to their, to their team. Or what, what advice would you give? Well, it starts again with, with thinking about your audience and understanding what's relevant and important to them and sure. then trying to tap into that and then framing it as an opportunity perhaps. So language and framing mean a lot in this, in this realm. So, so frame it as an opportunity. Here's something you can benefit from or frame it as a problem, a concern. Here's something we need to adjust and change. Depending on what you know about your audience, those framings can really matter. Um, if you can relate it to some kind of behavior that you know they also find important, that can be really helpful. There's, there's a social psychological principle of consistency. People tend to like to act in consistent ways. So if you mm -hmm. can say doing this thing or buying this product or, or acting in this manner is consistent with what you've done before, you've already demonstrated this, that can also be very engaging. 
um, how, how you actually show and describe using words that are interesting and, and valuable. You know, words matter. I, I, I don't know in your part of the world what, what a, a, a motor vehicle, a car, that somebody else you owned before you were buying it. Here we call them used cars, or at least we used to. Um, yes. And, and, and now I, one of my, I have two teenage sons and one was, thinks he's going to get a car, which is not happening, but you know, let him, <laughs> let him fantasize. Um, and he came to me and said, dad, I can't find any used cars. And I said, that's strange. Why not? And he said, well, I don't know, but there are a whole bunch of these certified previously owned vehicles. And I laughed because of course they're the same car, but calling it certified previously owned means you can charge more for it. And it sounds much nicer than a used vehicle. So, so language <laughs> matters as well. You know, the, the, the number one thing I advise people around engagement for meetings, mm. because a lot of people don't like meetings. I mean, I, I, and I, I always ask this question, if you show up in the morning and find that somebody has canceled a meeting you were expecting to attend later in the day, how do you feel? The vast majority of people feel relief, excitement, thrilled. Nobody's disappointed when a meeting is removed from their calendars. If you want to engage people about your meetings, name them something that sounds engaging, that's relevant to the, the, the cause. So how do you get engagement? It's through word choice. It's through connecting to what's relevant to people. It's really about understanding their needs and how you frame it as an opportunity or as a problem. And if you can connect it to something that's consistent, even better. Wow, that's, uh, that's really helpful. Thank you. I'm certainly going to be thinking about how I can frame things and use words in, in the content that I do. That's, that's excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got a few awesome. questions I'm for you. I'm excited about it. <laughs> okay. Firstly, uh, be good to remind people about your book because I, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are who are just going, oh, this could be the thing that I've really needed just to invest in to, to sort of go to the next level in whatever role they're in. Um, but apart from that as well, what other books have you gifted to other people? So there is a tried and true book. So, so my book is called Speaking Up Without Freaking Out. I hope people are gifting it to help others. Uh, Thank but you. There, there is, there's a book that's, that's now over a decade plus old that is so powerful and I constantly return to it. It's a book called Made to Stick. It's a mm. book by Dan and Chip Heath. Chip actually teaches with me at the business school at Stanford. Uh, and it's a book about how do you make your ideas stick in people's mind when we are bombarded constantly with new information. And, and the ideas and principles in that book, when it came out, were relevant and important, and they are still relevant and important today. So uh, I have referred that book and given my copy to so many people that it's all mangled and warped and dog-eared and underlined, but it's a very <laughs> useful book for sure. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. That's a great recommendation. Um, as well, it'd be great to mention again your, your podcast. And I want to mm -hmm. ask you if you're any other podcasts that you're really loving at the moment? So uh, there are many podcasts that I listen to. The, the one that I think, so mine is called uh, Think Fast, Talk Smart. It's all about communication. Uh, another colleague at, at Stanford, his name is Andrew Huberman. It's called the Huberman Podcast, H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N. It is yes. just, Andrew is just a genius and it's all <laughs> about how to, how to seek uh peak performance in, in everything we do from learning to sleep, to fitness, to, to, uh, he even talks about anxiety and depression yeah. and how to reduce those. Um, it's a wonderful podcast and he's a great guy. I have had him on as a guest and just a, a super fantastic guy with really useful long form podcasts. Yeah, he's uh, so that's one of the podcasts that I I listen to. I really love his mm -hmm. his podcast, and also I've I've uh, mentioned his podcast a few times uh, okay, on great. on this podcast as well. So yeah, I really love particularly taking something that we yeah, we think we know about, and then he'll unpack it on one of his episodes and, and the mm -hmm. science behind it. That's mm -hmm. uh, as an example, sleep. Uh, that's something that I've always been interested in, but I feel like. Uh, some of the knowledge that he's unpacked on that podcast has really been eye-opening uh, for me when it comes to something like sleep and health. Yes, absolutely. Okay. What is a recent leadership lesson you've learned uh, for the first time or been reminded of? So I'm going to give you something that happened, gee, just, uh, I guess on just two days ago, three days ago, uh, I was coaching somebody. Often I learn from my students more than they learn from me, I think. <laughs> and, and I'm always on the lookout for, for simple heuristics or structures, as we talked about earlier. Mm. And uh, it was very simple, this, not that. So when you frame something, uh, one way to explain something is to explain what it's not. So when you're explaining something, you say, this is what it is, and it's not that. And I really <laughs> like that real quick, um, 
way of defining, describing something. And often as a leader, as a manager, you are in a situation where you have to help people uh, reach what I call the F word, not that the naughty one that you probably thought of, but the notion of fidelity, accuracy, and clarity. And I've got to make this very clear very quickly. And a great way to do that is analogies. We've talked about that using mm -hmm. what, so what, now what. But I think this, not that is a really powerful, quick heuristic to help people understand things. Oh, I love that. This, not that. It's so simple, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm already thinking about how I can apply that to things. That's great. Uh, what's a great piece of advice you've received? <laughs> so anybody that knows me or listens to my work knows, uh, and I know my mother did not create this quote, but she is the one who has said it most frequently, <laughs> often aimed at me, but also others in my family. Tell the time, don't build the clock. Tell the time, don't build the clock. It's all about being concise and getting to the point quickly and early. My mother was an elementary school teacher and uh, the notion of minimal words get to the point quickly, that's really important. When you're teaching eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, you don't have the luxury yeah. of really building the clock. And many of us, especially those of us in technology or science, we, we're clock builders. That's what we do for a living. And, and others who listen to us, they just want to know the time. So, so that's a great bit of advice I try to follow all the time. Yeah, I love that. What's a big struggle or problem leaders are facing today when it comes to communication? Uh, well, so the pandemic has brought us into this world of hybrid communication where some people are in the room and some are on the Zoom or in the virtual world. And that is a really, really hard thing to manage. Uh, the, the new mantra in this world is equity. Uh, equity in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion is critically yes. important, but we're talking about communication equity. How, does the, how do the two people in the virtual world have equal say and contribution power when there are eight people in the room, right? Mm -hmm. It's just hard. They just disappear because they're on the screen, they're not in the chair. So this, I think, is a fundamental challenge. It is one that we are struggling with and, and really trying to figure out a solution for, not just technologically, but from my perspective, facilitation-wise. What do you do as a leader who has people remote and people in the room, and how do you make everybody feel like they're participating and have the right to participate? That, I think, is a fundamental challenge, one that we are struggling with, and I anticipate we will struggle with for a little bit longer. I agree. That's uh, and well said. A movie or TV show that really impacted you? Wow, a movie or TV show that really impacted me. Yeah. Um, so um, the there's several that come to mind. <laughs> so I'm gonna uh, so because of what I do, I'm going to pick Shark Tank, and I, I pick Shark Tank because it really highlights the variability in communication around influencing and persuasion. And it really helps people to see that there are better ways and worse ways, but there is no one right way to do it. So there are many shows and, and many things that I have influenced me. I wish I had more time to watch movies and TV, but that I think is, is one from a communication point of view where people can say, you know what, that's better, that's not so good, or they're, whoa, those two were good, but they're very different. Uh, and I think that's important for people to see. One of the things that adds a lot of pressure to people is they, they strive to do it right. And I spend mm. a lot of my time telling people there is no right way to communicate. There are better ways and worse ways, but there is no right way to do it. And, and a show like that helps people to understand that. Yeah, that's great, Matt. Great recommendation. Okay, last question. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? It is more important to be respected than liked. And that was a lesson that was very hard for me to learn. I made many mistakes. So when I was in high tech, I, I was a leader. I ran a whole business unit. I had a PNL. I had 85 to 100 people reporting to me. And, and when I started, and I was a young leader at one point, uh, it was, I, I really wanted everybody to like me. And that meant that I, I took on extra work. I didn't delegate. It meant that, that I, I didn't, uh, make hard decisions and give direct feedback. And it wasn't until a mentor really helped me understand that your job as a leader is to be respected. And in fact, when you become respected, people will actually like you. And so that to me would be the best advice to a young leader. 
Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Thank you for sharing that. I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but your work is so good. I really do want people uh, to, to catch it. So for anyone who wants to reach out to you, maybe something you've shared has really helped them. So I wonder if there's any channels uh, they might be able to uh, drop, drop you a line or find you in terms of your book and your podcast. Can you just remind us of, of how people can find you online? Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I'll, four ways to, to, to get content of mine. One, uh, I am uh, very open to linking in and connecting with people. I do a lot of uh, communication via LinkedIn. Again, Matt Abrahams. Uh, my book, Speaking Up Without Freaking Out, you can get it at Amazon and, and other places you get books. Please, please, please consider tuning into the podcast, Think Fast, Talk Smart. If you are interested in communication, it is very helpful to you. And then finally, I curate a website designed to help people uh, become more confident and compelling communicators. It is called nofreakingspeaking.com, nofreakingspeaking.com. <laughs> and um, the, one of those or all of those ways are great ways to get in touch with me or my content. Thank you, Matt. Well, I want to uh, thank our listeners for tuning in. Today's been mm -hmm. a joy. This has been uh, the, really the first episode I'm thinking that we've really focused in on communication. And wow, I, I, I'm... Oh, it's just so important. And uh, this has been so much fun. Uh, so I know this will have helped you, our listeners. Don't forget, I also have the John O. White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, which is two other places where I give you more uh, straight up sort of questions to help you in your leadership, a different question to put a stone in your shoe every day and make you uncomfortable as a leader and just tips on leadership. But I want to finish today uh, by saying a massive thank you just for being so generous with your time, Matt, for being uh, just so vulnerable and and uh, and authentic in you know just uh, it's really been refreshing and just lovely spending time with you and and hanging out, but also so much wisdom um, and <laughs> just uh, makes me want to do your course. It's just so good. You're, uh, I can see why you do what you do, but I, I really believe there'll be a bunch of of people who um, in the car on their way home, on their way to work, on a run who are going to be communicating differently because of, of what you've shared today. And that means a lot. So uh, thank you for coming on. It's been a great joy. It has been a true pleasure, Jono, and I appreciate the thoughtful questions. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I, I'm having a great time 
and my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively, and that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O'White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases, you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.